This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and it's 2021. I don't think any of that's new information to you, is it? Thank you so much. I am overwhelmed with so many gestures of kindness in this last 30 days of the life of Modern Homemakers. Your gifts your staggering numbers of gifts and amounts in those numbers. Thank you. I, I feel overwhelmed with it. I feel graced by it. I also wanted to, to say to all of you who have wondered about how does the ministry operate or not operate, and it has operated in the same way since it began, and that is if there's money, we keep going. If there's no money, we stop going. If we had an event and that event wasn't able to pay for itself and bless people, then we didn't have that event anymore. And if we didn't have people to do the work, then we didn't do that work anymore. And I, I hear myself say that and I think, okay, so what if we don't have people to do podcasting anymore? So is that work? We I don't know. I just want you to know it's a new year and it's 2021. And the Lord has been speaking to me about a number of things. A lot of them are very random. I had this sensation a few days ago that I missed you all. Isn't that funny? I think that's an unusual thing to say to an audience of which, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred of you are the only ones who I really know, know personally, have seen, have met. And yet I missed this process of my communicating with you, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So I missed you and I was glad to get back to the studio. The problem with my life is not that I don't have enough to say, I say too much. I always have something to say. And um, I think I'm quite comfortable that I know when to say what and when not to say what. But when it comes to ideas about the shows and the topics uh, for these podcasts, I could plan it all out for months and be very happy and good little doobie and go home and finish my research and preparation and come back to the studio and do it again. But I feel God's calling me to relax that process a little bit. I might have mentioned to you that I wanted to do a study in the Sermon on the Mount. So today I'm asking you to do something, and I'm asking this question. If you've listened to this uh, podcast on January 8th, then you're the first time um, hearing me say, and I'm going to say it for five or six shows, if you have a subject you would like to hear some information or conversation about from Modern Homemakers, would you send it to us? We're, what we want to be open to what's going on. I'm very profoundly surprised at how in my entire lifetime I've had this sense. Um, I know it's a part of my spiritual charismas and gifts of what the what's going on in my community, what's going on in my city, my state, my country, the world, and how that affects 
women and their walk of faith. And I have that sense right now. Some of it's quite obvious, isn't it? We've just been through traumatizing days in our country. My husband came into the kitchen and he said, you know the last time someone seized the Capitol? And I said, I I don't think I do. Did it ever happen before? He said, yes, in 1814, when the British seized the Capitol of America. Well, you know what the buildings were like in those days and so forth. That's a very long time ago. And these were not Britons who were uh, seizing our capital. How does that affect me? How does that affect you? How does that affect our children? How does that affect the things you're doing at home? How is the pandemic affecting us nearly a year later? How is the cloistering? How is the absence of touch How is the closeness of the people who are now being diagnosed with positive COVID and they are in vulnerable uh, categories and how is that affecting you? So those are a lot of things on my brain and a lot of things we could talk about. So today I'm going to talk about something that was something that happened over Christmas. That's the only way I could say that and that was... Many of you who have been around for a long time have heard me talk about Amy um, Carmichael. And Amy Carmichael was an affluent woman who lived in Europe, never married, and felt a call to go to India, India in the late 1800s. And what she was called to do there, this is very brief, uh, what she was called to do there was help the young girls who were being sold to the temples for prostitution. The caste system, the importance of men over women, and these female children were being sold and given to the temple for prostitution. And Amy's heart was so touched by that. And she went to India and began this work. That There are some wonderful books written about her and her life. Elizabeth Elliot did a marvelous, I can't even say the name of that book right now, um, on Amy Carmichael's life. Uh, she loved Amy Carmichael. Elizabeth had, had never met her, but had an opportunity to be in Donovar. And Donovar is spelled D-O-H-A. N-A-V-U-R, Donovar Fellowship, which is still in existence today. And so what Amy did, and she became the mother, the mother figure for to hundreds and thousands of young girls, hundreds and thousands of young girls. And many years ago, I got hold of a little book called Mimosa, Mimosa, M-I-M-O-S-A. When I got a hold of this book, I read it. I just sat down and read it. I was so, so taken with it. So this event happened in about 1902. All right? So have you got the picture? Amy Carmichael is in India. She's been sent there by God. She's left her... Um, comfortable European home and lifestyle and she is doing what she can to help the young girls of India. Now India is a very complicated country and I'm not here to give you any geography but the caste system is is still in place there and what Amy did with a few women was begin to share 
the gospel good news. Begin to share the love of Christ. Begin to help young women to enter in, children, young girls, to enter into a relationship with Christ, okay? So in 1902, uh, a Hindu family, a father, who had brought his first daughter, Star, to come and be a part of the living house that Amy Carmichael had was starting, had started, Donovar, okay? Now, for a Hindu man to take his daughter and give his daughter to live in a Christian, God-professing, was a, a shame of all shames. But the little girl had professed Christ and wanted to do this, and really a lot of those families didn't have as many options. So to his great shame and chagrin, he takes Star to live in this um, home, this residential space. When he does that, his next daughter, Mimosa, comes to be on the day that they're leaving Star to hear the message of Christ. And I want to read just a couple of sentences to you. Um, How present the past may be, it is as if he stood before me now, that upright, valiant Hindu, with his clear-cut face and piercing eyes, every line of them expressing a fixed determination His friendly gesture of welcome to this man felt like pollution to the Hindu. I see the two men so apart and yet so alike in certain characteristics walking through the living rooms to the side room that was used as a study. Then after a little there came a call and the two girls and I went together to the other room. With what eagerness we searched the two men's faces as we entered and then flamed past a burning half an hour, and at last, time after time, this happened. The father would rise and, towering above his older daughter, stretch out his hand to her, and down would fall his arm. His arm. What is it? What power is it? Is it a paralysis upon me, they would say? And we told him, no, the Lord God of heaven and earth has marked this child for his. This is a Hindu man leaving his young daughter, leaving his young daughter, Star. I'm just going to read a few more paragraphs. It is his will that she should learn of him, and he bowed to the word and allowed her to stay a little longer. Mimosa is now suddenly caught up in the story of Christ that's being told in this conversation in a room in the building. But nothing could prevail upon him to leave the younger one, Mimosa, who begs him, begs him to stay just a little longer even. We were keeping cast as regarded star. Every scrupulous observance was being kept, for we had not the right to allow her to break the law of her family. We would have done the same for Mimosa, but no, she could not stay. She would not stay. Her father said no. The child who in that one afternoon had heard what drew her very soul in a passionate longing 
to hear more, pleaded earnestly with her father. Oh, father, just for a little while, then I may understand a little, only a very little, and I will return. And the father said, Would thou shame me, O foolish one? Is this one shame not enough? She pleaded on several times, way beyond what would have been normal for a Hindu girl child to plead with her Hindu father. But her earnestness was so great. And then she knew that the answer was no. And Mimosa burst into tears, burst into tears. The farewells were soon, and as they were going away, the child turned, and I saw the little figure in its bird-breast raiment against the dark green shadows of the mango trees. Quite a picture, isn't it? Dashing the tears from her eyes, she tried to smile to us, and my last memory of her, and it has lived all these 22 years, is of a big, beautiful brown eyes trying to smile through her tears. And what do you mean it lasted for 22 years? Well, when that little girl left the Donovor Fellowship, as, as what it, and it was in those days, she walked away and went to do what her father and then her Hindu husband and her caste system and the rules of the road, so to speak, would call of her. But she had had an encounter with the one true living God. Do you remember your first surrender, your first encounter, your first overwhelming sense of his love for you? Like his love for you is so great, so overwhelming that you will do anything. You will do anything. I am just reflecting because in the month of February, I celebrate an anniversary for my first surrender to God. And I can still feel those feelings and thoughts and sensations, that overwhelming sense of being loved and cared for. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. I, I, it happened in a church. It turned out that I stayed in the church. It turned out that I went to church every Sunday. It turned out that I stayed in the church and became a, a woman who has done ministry in the church and seminary and, and Bible teaching and written books. And I've stayed in the church. But more than that, I've stayed with Jesus Christ. When I read this slim little 145-page book, uh, it, it, if the tears on the page could be seen by you, you would see and, and feel what I felt as I read through this little book 22 years after she had heard about Jesus for one afternoon. She has followed him through storms that are unimaginable to me, unimaginable to me. She has a child, then she has a second child. But her husband doesn't like to be married. He doesn't like taking care of them. And so she has to take care of the family. She has to take care of the family. And there's uh, a passage, a, a section of the story, where she has no food. She has no food. Not one scripture did she know. There was nothing from the book of books for the Spirit to take and show her at that moment. But his resources are limitless. 
So she, uh, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. She she came to Christ in one afternoon as a young girl, and for 22 years, she didn't go to church. She didn't know another Christian. She didn't have a Bible. She didn't have books. She didn't have podcasts. She didn't have anything but the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led her and led her. His resources were unlimited, and she needed to go to work, and so she went to a, a farm, um, a place where she could work, and she did work. She worked the fields, and she had a child, and then she had another child. And this paragraph says that um, she would work the seasons. Her second baby was such a lovely little fellow that she called him Little Peacock. For the thought of that gorgeous bird to this color-loving people is not spoiled by foolish human talk of pride being somewhere in the heart of it. Little Peacock meant just beauty and the joy of her golden boy. But then, as I said, she had to go to work. And then with heavy heart, she would go out to the fields, and those two babies were left alone, a two-and-a-half-year-old, to tend the six-month-old. Did did you hear that? Did you? Uh, I read it and gasped again. I'm reading it and gasping with you. And then, with a heavy heart, what else could she do? She would go out to the fields and work from nine in the morning till six in the evening with those two babies who were left alone, a two and a half year old to tend a six month old. Wet to the skin and weary, she would return at sunset and go straight to her poor baby. But those eight hours without food or drink left him greatly exhausted, and tears would fall on his face as she nestled him in her arms and tried to make up to him for all he had been missing. Till the wet season was over, this was the daily routine. Not a neighbor, not a relative, offered to see her poor little boys while she was out. I, I, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with the fact that she did that. She did that for 22 years, the suffering for Christ that this woman went through. And then, that 22 years later, Amy Carmichael and she meet again, and Mimosa tells her story. Mimosa tells her story. Uh, I want to recommend this book to you. It's published by CLC Publications. I have no idea what it costs. It, it can't be very expensive, but it's called Mimosa, M-I-M-O-S-A, by Amy Carmichael, and it was published in 1924 in its original publication. So why am I starting the season with this story? I have a sense that this is a year for those of us who have said yes, as Mimosa did on one sunny afternoon um, in India in 1902 or close to 1902, that we are the same in the same situation. Those of us who listen to this podcast wherever you are, living in a pandemic during a worldwide pandemic, doing without, being confused, not being able to attend church, and I've said this many times, you are the church. Most of us having books and technology that we can hear lessons and sermons and read and pray. And I have a sense that God is calling all of us 
to remember that we are led by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, who is the third member of the Trinity, can speak to you. And when he speaks to you, he can tell you what to do. He can tell you how to behave. He can use the words of the scripture to encourage you when you are alone and when you are afraid and when you are suffering. Suffering. We are all suffering. As far as I can see, not one of us in this country are not suffering in some way. And I think, like you, I'd like to abandon the suffering and move on to strength again that we're all in charge and satisfied and there's no pandemic that's causing us to suffer. We're not losing our loved ones in the hospitals as I lost my father in July without even being able to say goodbye to him. These, these are sufferings. But the sufferings will always be a part of our life. Always. If you are a woman, a man, a young person who is following Christ, the greatest comfort you have is that you will be never be separated from Christ. You will never be separated. He tells us that he will never, 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 never to the fifth power leave us or forsake us. He doesn't say there won't be suffering. There will be. And maybe the suffering that is to come will be even greater. But the comfort is that we will never be separated from him. So welcome to Modern Homemakers 2021. I'm not sure how it's going to look this year, but we're going to talk about a number of things. If you have some subjects you'd like to talk about, would you send them to me? By the 15th of January, I will have received any of those offerings and decided how they might fit in. The second question I'd like you to answer is, how many of you would be interested in a rather long study in the Sermon on the Mount? By long, I mean longer than a couple of weeks. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount would be sprinkled all through the year. It's an amazing study of all the things that we need to demonstrate our dependency on the Holy Spirit. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and I pray that Mimosa will be as big a blessing to you as it was again to me. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of following Jesus. Mm -hmm.